Alyssa grew up receiving mixed messages growing up. Her family, part of the Mormon community, encouraged women to become moms as their main existence. Well, because that's what God wanted. In other words, it was their destiny to stay at home to take care of the household. But she had different ideas. Alyssa wanted to strike out on her own and have a career even though there really wasn't much support for that decision. But that didn't mean those nagging voices in the back of her head didn't have other plans. I just really kind of did have this fatalist approach of like, if a career happens, it's meant to be. And if it doesn't, then maybe I'm meant to be a stay-at-home mom. And what was missing in all of that was the question of what do I want? Alyssa did end up leaving the Mormon church to seek out a life that was more in line with her values. But did she ever get over the voices in the back of her head saying that she really wasn't worthy if she wasn't a stay-at-home mom? Welcome to Beyond the Dollar with me, Sarah Lee Kane, where we have deep and honest conversations about how money affects our well-being. Alyssa Kirkham, writer of Brave Saver, comes on the show to talk about the conflict she felt as a member of the Mormon church when it came to becoming financially secure. She talks about how growing up, she was taught being a mom is her only goal in life, why wanting to work is frowned upon, the conflict she felt at wanting her own version of financial freedom, and why it's okay for moms to want something for themselves. Now, before we get started, I want to let you know created a new guide on emotional spending, which is a part of kicking butt in your financial life. It'll give you some quick solutions you can do right now, plus a few techniques that'll help you manage those pesky emotions over the long term. You know, like when you're tempted to blow $700 on a robotic pool cleaner. Now, to grab the free guide, head over to beyondthedollar.co slash spending. And to find resources we shared in this episode, head over to beyondthedollar.co. All right, get ready, grab a seat, and let's go Beyond the Dollar. Hey, Alyssa, welcome to Beyond the Dollar. Hi, thanks for having me on today. I love that in your blog post, and we'll link to it in the, the show notes for everyone, is the idea that I'm generalizing here. So the idea if women in general are raised to believe that their role is in the home, like, you know, to be a great mom, that, you know, their careers and really by extension, their, you know, they don't matter or their earning power doesn't matter. So I would really love to hear how you came to that conclusion. So my background is very much what you said, where I, from the very, basically from the time I realized I was like female and that that meant that I could be a mom someday, I really, really, that was kind of central to what I thought it meant to be a person in this world, right? It was so tied to my gender and specifically like womanhood in how I was raised. I was raised Mormon, which is a pretty conservative religion. And they definitely really emphasize, you know, traditional gender roles. And so I was, I grew up thinking and hearing a lot that the most important thing a woman would ever do is be a mom and not only be a mom, but be a very specific kind of mom. It was a kind of very leave it to beaver. It was the kind of mom who was always available to her kids who stayed at home and didn't have work outside of, you know, homemaking and, and raising her kids. And it wasn't just like, oh, that's good. That's nice. That's the ideal. It was like, that was what God wanted me to be. That's the kind of mom that God wanted to meet me to be. So it wasn't even just, I think that as women, we hear a lot of these messages that there's this right way to be a mom and that it looks this way, which is you should always be available to your kids. You should always put your family first. And for me, it was more than that. It was 
this was how I should be like a good person. This is the mission that I was born to like fulfill was being a mom. And it was a lot more strict and kind of inflexible than maybe what a lot of people grow up with. I didn't really have a lot of models in my life of women who worked. My mom worked, but she was a school teacher, which was like, she had the same schedule as us. And she didn't start working until I was probably four or five. And I'm I'm like, just, just to preface, I'm number six out of seven kids. <laughs> so very big Mormon family, like very typical. And so my mom started working when I was four or five. And it was because we had a big financial need in our family. Like my family had really been struggling for several years financially. And that was why my mom went back to work. And so I think I kind of got these two messages, right? On the one hand, I really felt that no one expected me to have a career because I was expected to be a stay-at-home mom. No one expected me to work outside of the home. And I didn't expect that of me. That wasn't something that I looked into my future and saw for myself. And it wasn't what I saw when I looked around in my faith community and I saw a woman who I thought, oh, that could be me someday. Very few of them were working were working moms. So I just never really thought of that for myself. So I had that, right? I had that of like, of course, I'll be a stay-at-home mom. Of course, that's probably going to be it. I don't need to worry about college. I don't need to worry about a career because that's not my future. But I also had this tension where I had seen my mom my, and my family struggle a lot financially because because of being a one income household and eventually like a no income household when my dad was lost his job for a couple of years. And I don't know all the details because I was so young when it happened, but I do think that had a big impact on you know how I viewed those two kind of messages that I got when I was really young. That's so interesting. So when your mom went back to work, I'm curious, did you pick up any sort of messages that your mom may not have felt good about that choice? Like I know you mentioned like it was it was necessary because of the money, but were you was like anything you've observed kind of grown up like, oh, maybe my mom didn't really want to do this? I think that's probably the case. I've even talked to my mom as an as an adult and probably in the past few years even And it's been interesting because I think that my mom really feels that the ways that she fell short as a mom were because of working. And I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't see that. And it's definitely not a connection I made as a kid. I didn't think, I thought I'm in a big family and like things are just chaos constantly (laughs) because that's how things work. But I didn't really make the connection between like my mom having a job and me maybe feeling a little overlooked sometimes or a little like, you know, I wish my mom would have checked on me a little more or, you know, really normal things to Things that are pretty typical to feel as a kid, and especially like when you're in a big family, I think that's really normal to feel that way. But I think that my mom felt that she would have done a better job at addressing that had she been a stay-at-home mom. And I do think that's a regret for her is that she wasn't able to do that. And although I don't view it as the as work, as the obstacle or the thing that maybe kept my mom from being the kind of mother she wanted to be, I do think she sees it that way. And I do think that, you know, it's kind of these mixed messages of like, one is like you, financial security is really important and it's not really something that you can accept as a trade-off is having your family be financially unstable. But it kind of reinforced the message that you can't be a working mom and be the kind of mom that you want to be. And that's really, that's, that's really hard. That's really something that has affected my choices and how I've approached my career from you know college up until now. I'm really curious about this. If traditionally women within the Mormonism faith was raised to be like, okay, well, this is your role as to be a stay-at-home mom. Like, does college even matter then? Like, because in most cases, college is a step towards a career. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because women, are, Mormon women are encouraged to go to college because you're kind of encouraged to be like the best version of yourself. But there's kind of like two sanctioned reasons to go to college as a Mormon woman. And one is to get married. <laughs> to find a mate. So hopefully you're going to go to a college with either like a Mormon college like BYU or go to a college with a lot of Mormon uh, students where you kind of have a chance to meet more people. Like definitely 
it's a strong cultural thing to get married young when you're Mormon and to, that's a big deal. It's getting married. <laughs> so, and so that's one thing. But the other thing is kind of to get an education so that you can be a better mom, so that you can be helping your kids with your math homework, so that you can be a good example of like pursuing education and investing in yourself. And it's kind of the idea that you'll be a better mom if you know more and you're more educated. But it's it's not definitely is not with the with the message of, you know, go to college so you can get a career or go to college so you can earn more. That very much was not the message. And I have even laughed because there was one experience I had. I was probably in between my sophomore and junior years of college, and I had decided to go to school year round. So instead of, you know, taking the summers off and having a break, I would just keep, I would stay at school and just keep going. And I decided to do that because I figured the sooner I was graduated, the sooner I could start earning more money. And I was talking to a male friend of mine and he was like, didn't understand this choice I was making. He was so confused. And he's like, so why are you in a hurry to finish college? And I'm like, well, and I, you know, kind of explained my reasoning. And he's like, well, yeah, but you're not even dating anyone. Like, why are you going to gonna leave college? Where else are you going to meet a man? You know, where else are you going to find a husband? And I was just like, that did not factor into my decision at all. <laughs> it truly didn't. But he was just like, he thought it was stupid. And, I, you know, that, that was such a thing, like, for our parents, right? Like, that might have been a thing that for, like, the, our parents' generation or previous generations was an idea. And I think in a lot of ways, the Mormon community is kind of stuck like 40 years behind the rest of us in terms of how they view gender and how they view gender roles and kind of what women are capable of and what men are capable of and what's expected of them. Yeah. So, okay. So I'm assuming you graduated college early. So now that you're done, I'm assuming you haven't met anyone yet. Oh, but at the time that I had that conversation, I hadn't, but I actually met my husband a year before I graduated, but it was his last semester in college. So I was like, you're graduating. I don't know that we really can get serious, but we stayed friends and we kind of saw enough of each other that eventually I realized I'd kind of fallen for him as friends. <laughs> and we had kind of dated, like I knew he liked me, but, but it was, again, it was like, you're off working and you graduated. So we dated and we eventually dated. And so by the time I graduated, I graduated and a week later I got married. So that was like a year from meeting him to getting married basically. So, so that, that was very typical of Mormons though, to be honest. So I, I did, I, I kind of graduated at 21 and then I um, had an internship right after I graduated. So, and it was a paid internship, which was really helpful, but yeah, I was, I was married right after getting out of college, if that makes sense. So after you got married, then were you like, okay, well, I guess I just got to start making babies? Like, I guess what was the sort of, (laughs) uh, sorry, that sounded really rude. (laughs) It's not rude. I mean, you'd be surprised, like growing up in a Mormon church, there's a lot of teachings around like having a family and getting married and that kind of thing. And one of the teachings that I heard was that there's really no good reason to put off getting married or having a family. And especially once you're married, it's like you should start, you know, working on having a family. And and they specifically said, like, you shouldn't put off having kids just because you're still in college. You shouldn't put off having kids because, you know, it would be better for your career. It's kind of like when you and I think it had kind of been toned down a little bit by the time that like my generation of Mormons came around, but like definitely my parents, for example, they got married and started having kids right away. And I think that was very much the expectation then. And I think that it still was somewhat the expectation that by the time that I was married. But I think that I like, obviously, like my story from college, I kind of was a little more comfortable doing things my own way and thinking outside of the box. And I think that I had internalized a lot of this, but I also 
was able to be a little more flexible in, in seeing a different kind of life for myself. And I didn't want to have kids right away. And although I had these teachings from my church, I also had people in my life who cared about me and they, they gave me advice. And some of them were like, you know, take a few years to enjoy yourselves and figure out who you are as a couple before you have kids. And I think that was really good advice. And so so we weren't planning on having kids right away. And we didn't. We were married for probably two, a little over two years by the time we got pregnant, which seems, which will seem really short <laughs> to a lot of people. And it was young. I was like 24 when I had my first kid, which was very young. But I think that was like pretty typical and not at all unusual in my Mormon community that I was still a part of at the time. So, and I would say in those, those, that time period between getting married and, and becoming a mom, it was really interesting. I was talking to my husband about this and seeing like, what did he think? And he pointed out that at the time I really had this almost like fatalist approach to my career, which was like, if it was happening, it was okay. It was what God wanted me to do. And if it didn't happen, like after my internship ended, I had a really hard time finding a job and I was unemployed for several months and it was very discouraging. And it, and I definitely, definitely have those thoughts of like, well, I'm a woman and maybe this is just like what God wants me to do. Maybe I'm not intended to have a career. And it was so discouraging. And then I did find a job and it worked out. But and, and I remember even later, we ended up moving so my husband could go to grad school. And when that was over, we moved again. And when we moved after grad school, it was again, I was unemployed we'd moved for his job and I was unemployed and having a really hard time finding a job. And I was sitting there thinking, you know, maybe this is just not meant for me. Maybe God has a different path for me. And not only did I think maybe that's a possibility, it was like that very much aligned with what I felt like I knew about God and what God wanted of me. So I just really kind of did have this fatalist approach of like, if, if a career happens, it's meant to be. And if it doesn't, then maybe I'm meant to be a stay-at-home mom. And what was missing in all of that was the question of what do I want? What do I think would be good for me? But I'm smart and I've always really enjoyed doing things with my mind. And I find that really fun and enjoyable and a huge part of my identity and, my, and how I like to be in the world. And that was one of the things that I loved the most about working was challenging myself and learning new things. And I was happy about to be working because of that. I am interested now that you had that fatalist approach, but you were still at least trying to find work. How did that change? Or was that while you gave birth and you were a mom? Like, tell me a bit about that. So after grad school, we had, like I said, we moved to a big city. We moved to Los Angeles, actually. And that was for a job opportunity that my husband had had. And even that was like, again, that's another dynamic of this, of, of even in the question of like, what matters in our family and how we make decisions. It was very much like my husband's career obviously matters. His career is never in question. You know, I was in constant like, should I have a career? Should I not? What am I doing for work? It was, it was a lot of question marks. And for him, it was like very obvious. He had to have a job. He had to have a career. He had to provide. So it made sense to do things like move to go to grad school for him and move for him to start his career. So we were there. He started working and I was looking for a job and it took a while and it took a few months. And I actually found out I was pregnant while I was still interviewing for jobs. And again, it was that fatalistic approach where it was like, well, if I'm pregnant and I haven't found a job, maybe this is just when I meant to start my stay at home mom journey, even though I still had nine months before I would actually give birth, you know, and I was really conflicted about do I continue interviewing? Do I continue looking for a job like that just didn't make sense to me? And I had a really hard time making all these parts add up. And I wanted to and I was trying, but it was just 
very slow moving. I was finding a lot of internalized ideas of, well, if I'm a mom and I should be, you know, staying at home with my kid, I'm probably going to choose to do that in nine months when she's here. How can I look at an employer and be like, yes, hire me. I'm going to be gone in nine months. It was so weird. And I was very conflicted about it. But kind of luckily for me, I didn't really have to make that decision because a company I'd already interviewed with ended up offering me a position. My thought process was different because again, I just, my career was never supposed to be permanent. It was never supposed to be anything that lasted more than a few years. I am curious, like, does that put a lot of pressure on the males then? Because, okay, hey, I'm going to get married while I'm in college and I'm going to have a kid before I even get a job. So I, I'm just really curious about like, what kind of pressure that might put on a couple. It's pressure, but it's also this like inflexibility where there's one kind of model of how to be a couple, how to be a family. And if it's not working for you, then you're doing it wrong. You know, it's not like, well, maybe we can try something different. Maybe we can think about other options or be a little more flexible. It's like, no, the father provides, he works, he does all that stuff. And the mother's job is to nurture the kids, preferably by staying at home. And I do think that puts a lot of pressure. Like there's a lot of, I don't know if you would have ever had any reason to notice this, but there are a lot of Mormon men who end up being in really high paying careers, specifically like dentists. It's very popular because it's very high paying, but you also kind of get to make your own schedule. But there's also a lot of Mormon lawyers. There's a lot of Mormon MBAs. This pressure to not only provide for your family, but provide a really good life for them. And you have to do on one income. As a man, if you're thinking about this, you are thinking about your career, not in terms of what I'm passionate about or what I love to do or what you could make work. It's kind of more with the aim to maximize earnings. And I do think that pigeonholes people. You know, both my husband and I are pretty creative people. (laughs) And we've always kind of wanted to work on like more personal or passion projects. And I think that it's been a little easier for me in some ways to get myself permission to do that than for him to do that, especially when it comes to taking away from time that he could be working. And, you know, I think there's even that thought of like, well, if I have time for a passion project, maybe I should just get like a side hustle or something to kind of earn a little extra for our family. I'm reminded of that Ali Wong bit, (laughs) you know, I don't know if you've seen her stand up special, but she talks about how everyone's questioning, you know, don't, doesn't your husband feel like you've taken something from him now that he you know, is earning more than you. And she's like, taking something. What, you mean the pressure to provide? And I just was like, yeah, yeah. But I think that 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 has been a big benefit of me choosing to work is that I do think it's helped me and my husband create a more equal partnership, even though we can really see that modeled. And even though we have kind of been like feeling our way through the dark with it. And I think it's been a little easier to say, let's put all of our responsibilities and all of our methods of contributing on the table And then let's divvy them up in a way that makes sense, given our different strengths and what we want and what feels good to us and not necessarily based on you're the man, so you go make the money. I'm the woman, so I'm going to plan all the meals. I plan the meals because I enjoy cooking and I genuinely like to do it. And I get the right kind of applesauce. He doesn't. I don't know. You got to get the no sugar one. So, <laughs> but, but, you know, it's, it's about that. It's about, you know, what are your different strengths and not so much what is, does it fit this mold? Does it fit that specific way that a family should look like? Yeah. And I, I really particularly loved when you were talking about like, well, it's it's actually like, what do I want? I'm really interested in when you had your first kid. I know in your in your article, again, I'll link in the show notes about, well, I don't really like this. Like, I don't I love my kid, but I don't love being mom. And so I was in the same position. I think a lot of moms are, but we're a little bit afraid to admit it for whatever reason. So I, I really want to hear about that. Like, was that one of the maybe the beginnings of you and your husband deciding to essentially leave the church? 
So when I had when I had my first daughter, I think I was caught off guard the way I think a lot of new parents are, how hard it is and how much it changes your life. And in particular, I felt a little resentful that it was all on me. And I think a lot of moms feel that like I was sitting there, you know, staying at home, taking maternity leave. And even after that, staying at home because, you know, I was nursing my daughter. I was her food source. I had, you know, been pregnant for nine months. And I, and I remember telling my husband, like, you don't get it. Everything about my life has changed. And not just my life, about myself. Like my body is different. How I feel is different. How I think is different. When my daughter was born, it was like, you know, it, it like was a light switch went off. And all I could think of was like, okay, what does she need? What am I giving her? And I think for my husband, I just looked at him and I was, and I know it was different for him, but how I perceived it at the time was he, his life was basically the same. His body hadn't changed. His hormones weren't different. I do think that the way he thought about things was different, but it was kind of more like a gradual process rather than so as immediate as it felt to me, his life looked the same. You know, he was still going to work every day. He still was going out with friends, you know, maybe every other week or so. And he was really helpful and supportive, but I just felt like everything was different for me and I didn't know who I was. I think that this is a part of becoming a parent that not a lot of people talk about because it's, there's kind of this stigma around appearing to not enjoy parenthood. I think for moms and dads, but I think for moms in particular, you're supposed to, people talk to you about it and they expect you to say, I love it. It's great. Oh, I, my kid's so cute. And I was just sitting there like, this is awful. I've never been more miserable in my life. Like, I don't know how to handle any of this. And it was pushing my limits. And I, and I didn't really know how to grow into that in a particularly healthy way. And I also just felt like I really lacked the language to talk about it with people. And I felt like they did too. They couldn't always hear hear me and what was hard about it. And they couldn't always hear what I was struggling with exactly. It was, it was hard to articulate. And really, I think at the time, it was just me struggling with that belief that I had and that I felt like other people had of moms, that my life, my whole world needed to recenter on my daughter now that she was here. And I think that does happen. And I think that's an important thing because kids, you know, babies and kids are so vulnerable and, and we do owe them so much and we do have so much responsibility to them. I think that we talk about, you know, being a mom in terms of our kids and what they're getting. And I don't think we talk enough about what we're getting out of it. And I was talking to a friend recently about kind of about this and, and she's struggling with some of these choices. Actually, she's Mormon and she wants to go back to work. And I said to her, you know, yes, this is your kid's childhood but it's also your motherhood and it's also your life. This is a period of your life. You are still living your life even as a mom. And I think it, it's so important to prioritize what you want. And I just hadn't seen a lot of women doing that, you know, thinking about what do I want? And does whole motherhood experience really align with that? But I also felt like I was sitting there at home kind of, and it felt like I couldn't do this. I knew 100% in my bones that if I tried to be a stay-at-home mom, it would go very badly for me and very badly for my family. I'm just not built in a way that it would be a good choice. And so I kind of had to start asking those questions of like, well, what are my other options? What else can I do? And one thing I did was by the time she was three months old, I was like, well, I'm very bored. Sitting with a newborn all day is not the most exciting. So, you know, I had emailed my employer and said like, hey, can we work out a work from home arrangement very part time? So I started working part time and eventually I did go back to work full time as well and, and put my daughter in daycare. But I think it was scary to do, scary to feel that I was inviting judgment on myself and how I was being a mom to go after what I what I wanted. And there were a lot of people in my life who didn't necessarily understand my choice. At the end of the day, I just feel like I had that knowing in myself that 
I knew I owed it to myself to not choose something that I 100% knew was not right for me. So that was my approach was I'm going to start exploring options and exploring different ways of working or being a mom and hopefully find something that works for me. That's beautiful. I love that. I think at the end of the day, whether you're a working mom, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, it's the idea of choice. You know, even if just relating it to money, it's like to be able to say, I want to work or I don't want to work is very much a financially motivated choice. And so I'm glad that you were able to at least be like, okay, no, this is, I don't want to stay at home with my kid because I'm going to go crazy. (laughs) And I've decided to go work and figure that out as we go along. So I love that. So thank you so much for sharing that. My one last question is during this time, like has your views on money changed? Like as you're became a mom, as you became a working mom, and then, you know, leaving the church, like has your relationship with money really changed? Yeah. I think that before I knew I wanted to work, I think I kind of knew that that meant that I would be financially dependent on my husband. But I think there's a difference between like knowing like, oh, yeah, I'll probably be financially dependent on my husband someday. And then actually sitting there staring that down. I don't know if a lot of women feel the same level of pressure that I do or in the same ways. I think most women who become moms do consider, should I be a stay-at-home mom? I think there is this kind of message that that's the best way to be a mom. But I think that we don't always respect how much of an ask that is for women how much we are asking of women by telling them to stay at home. And in particular, how financially insecure that makes women. I actually, in my journey like of eventually leaving the church, but when I was in the church and I was working, it was really challenging because I didn't really get a lot of support from my community for it. I remember like talking to other women and, and who weren't in my church. And I was like, isn't it weird how people always ask you what your husband does before they ask you what you do? And they're like, that doesn't happen to me. And I'm like, oh, this just happens to me at church. Okay. <laughs> but I would have that. People would be like, oh, how are you? Like, nice to meet you. And the small talk, they was like, oh, what does your husband do? Before they asked me what I did or if I, or if I worked, because it was just such an assumption that I didn't. But when I was in the church, I really felt like I needed a little more support with this struggle of how do I balance, you know, being a working mom and being the kind of person that I want to be for myself, but also being the kind of mom that I want to be and being kind of the person I wanted to be for my family. And I actually joined an organization that was called like Aspiring Mormon Women. And it was very helpful for me. And it was a community of other women who, like me, were pursuing education, were pursuing a profession, were just pursuing something outside of the home. And in that community, I really found a lot of people who understood me and understood why I wanted a career and what that gave me. And that was extremely helpful. But in that community, I also saw a lot of stories of what can happen when you have just one income and what can happen to women when they're financially dependent on their spouse and how it can it just put you in a very vulnerable position. And it could be just of anything that life might throw at you. If you, your spouse is abusive and you're financially dependent on them, that makes it extremely hard to leave or to find a way to make yourself safe and to make your family safe again. Or even if you're just unhappy in your marriage and your marriage is miserable and you, you know it probably needs to end. But again, your marriage is your financial arrangement. That's how, that's where you get your financial security from. But it could be other things. It could be, you know, a father who becomes disabled and is not able to provide for his family financially. Or you have a special needs kid and you have a lot of healthcare costs or just extra things. And I really don't think that there's an understanding of how, how big of an ask that is on women to make themselves that vulnerable, to put themselves in a position where they have so 
little options when it comes to protecting themselves, especially protecting themselves when their husband's not in the picture, whether they're trying to get away from their husband because it's not a good situation or their husband's just not able to provide for whatever reason, they're unemployed or disabled or, or any number of things could happen. And I think that that was another big motivator for me to work was that I hate feeling financially insecure. I am probably more likely to feel financially anxious than not. And so when I thought about myself and feeling financially secure, that was a huge drive for me in college. And that was part of the reason I made some of the choices that I did was that it was so important to me to be able to support myself financially and to feel secure. And like I said, my family had a bit of history of financial insecurity and they became more stable as I grew up. But in my young years, they were really financially unstable. And I just never wanted to be in that position where I was vulnerable and I didn't have options. I needed to work and I couldn't earn enough to support myself or my family. That was just terrifying to me. So that was part of it too, was that I kind of was looking at this specter of financial insecurity and it scared me. And I just, I couldn't accept that risk. I couldn't accept that trade-off. It was, it's a really, really high cost. And I think it's one that we're really flippant about of what it costs women to stay at home. You're not alone in feeling this. A lot of women feel like this So. Yeah, Alyssa. Well, I, I really appreciate you coming on. So where can everyone find you online? Yeah. So online, you can find me at bravesaver.com. That's my site slash blog where I write about this kind of topics and other financially related things that I think are important. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Alyssa JK or on Instagram at brave underscore saver. Awesome. Again, thank you so much for coming on Beyond the Dollar. Thank you so much. All right, everyone, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Alyssa. I just want to point out something that she said, which blew my mind, (laughs) is where she said, yes, it's your kid's childhood, but it's also your motherhood too. So it's this idea of being a mom doesn't necessarily mean that you give up part of yourself, right? Being a mom is your job. It's a role that you play. It's part of your identity, but it shouldn't encapsulate your entire identity. And I think that is very relatable. I know I definitely related to that. And I'm sure other moms can too. Let me know what you think, right? I'm always available on Instagram at beyond the dollar. Now, let's kind of talk about Alyssa's experience with being a woman and the idea of, you know, her earning power being financially secure. And I think that whether you are a stay-at-home mom or you're working mom or, you know, whatever situation you're finding yourself in, It is really important to find some way to be able to have some sort of earning power or some say in the finances. And it's simply because, again, like Alyssa said, you just never know what's going to happen. You could be in a great relationship. Your husband can be earning a great income or your partner can be earning a great income and then something happens to them, right? Heaven forbid they pass away. Maybe they become disabled and now you're living on social security benefits, whatever that could mean. You know, if you don't have a marketable skill or some way of bringing in money or helping to contribute in some way to the family finances, it can be really difficult to make that adjustment all of a sudden. So I think at the end of the day, whatever your choice is, it's up to you to figure out how you can protect yourself as well as your family in case anything happens financially. So I'm not saying either way that you should go get a job but I'm sure that y'all are creative. You can figure that out. All right. Next really takeaway that I think has been a common thread throughout this podcast, if you've been a longtime listener, 
is finding support is really key. So for Alyssa, she ended up finding a group called Aspiring Mormon Woman. I have my own money mastermind group, which I talked about a couple of seasons ago. I'll link to that in the show notes. I know that there are past guests who've come on and they've talked to their close friends about what's going on or they've opened up to their partners and just found a sounding board. And it doesn't have to just be money related. It could be a life transition. It could be something happening in your life. And then of course, money is going to play into that, right? And so unfortunately, money is still a very taboo topic for many people. And so the more you can try to open up, the more of a community you can find, I'm sure that you're going to find yourself be more willing to take risks in the decisions that you make or feel like you have permission to make those changes that you want to make. All right. Another thing that I thought was really insightful was the idea of asking women to be a stay-at-home mom or the expectation that women should be a stay-at-home mom is a huge ask. It's a huge risk, especially being so vulnerable like that. Because again, you're being dependent on somebody else to bring in money and you're just kind of leaving your, your livelihood or your life really at risk. And so I don't have a solution to that. I don't think Alyssa was really saying that there's a solution, but I think that if you do have a partner or you're considering starting a family and you're thinking about all of these kind of changes, I think it's really important to communicate with that person about what a huge ask it is if that person wants you to stay at home, right? Whether or not, you know, your choice, it's, it's a different matter, but the discussion should be there in terms of what does that mean financially? Not necessarily what's coming in right now, but what does it mean to you as someone who isn't necessarily earning money right now and if you want to do it? All right, so my challenge for you this week is to simply ask, what is it that you want? Can you find a way to be financially secure whether or not you're a stay-at-home mom? And so start thinking that lens of like, what is it that I want? And I'm pretty sure that when you start answering that question, there's going to be kind of nagging voices in the back of your head where you're like, mm, I don't know if I'm allowed to want that. And I'm here to tell you are. It's just you got to find a way to work it into your life in a way that can be beneficial to you and you know your partner or your kids. All right, next week is a solo episode, right? Like I said before, this season's a little bit different where I'm alternating every other episode, just me and you. And I am talking about separating your finances from your self-worth. This has been a hot topic in my newsletter community. And a lot of people have been asking me about that, especially when you maybe find yourself without a job, you lose your income, something happens. It's really important to work on the mental health side as well. So I'm going to dive into that topic. Really excited for you to hear that. All right, everyone, until next time, keep living beyond the dollar. Thank you so much for listening in on Beyond the Dollar. If you like what you heard, please share with a friend. It'll help share the mission of what we're trying to do, which is to have more deep and honest conversations about how money affects our well-being. So tag them on Instagram when I post Beyond the Dollar or send them a link. Whatever you want to do to spread the mission of what we're doing around here. Now, if you feel that putting money towards the things that really matter is a challenge for you, feel free to download the Value Space Spending Guide. So what it is, is you're going to be able to gain clarity around what matters most to you in life, be able to name your most important values and how we can start putting money towards those things. So to download the value space spending guide, go to beyondthedollar.co slash values. So thank you again for listening and I'll catch you on the next episode of Beyond the Dollar. By the way, thank you to Donovan Durant again for providing this awesome theme song.